get this bad boy going. Let's get started. Welcome to Sunday service. That's where the camera's clear up there. I know. It's weird. I'll probably <laughs> never look at the camera because it's such a weird angle. It is at a weird angle. Welcome so, back, baby. We recorded a, a full episode last time, and unfortunately, <laughs> the audio didn't work. It was uh, it was great. It was it great. Had all of me and none of you. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to go over the same stuff for this episode? I can't even remember what we what we even talked about, but I will say this: Welcome to Stefan and Talon's Sunday service. It is Wednesday. <laughs> It is Wednesday. But this, will, this will go live though on a Sunday. We'll yes. put it live on a Sunday. Bingo. So if if you're wondering what this podcast is, it's us simply doing the Lord's work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really and truly. <laughs> truly. The Lord's work through the power of communication. Oh, man, it'll and, be nice. Um, yeah, dude. I was going to say it'll be nice to get a, a futon. Yeah. We were chatting about how we're going to have things set up here. At Stefan and Talon Sunday service. Okay, I got a question to kick this podcast off. Okay. Why the desire to start a podcast? Why the itch? What do you feel like the podcast is going to fulfill or what do you hope it fulfills? Um, there's a couple things. I think number one is that it's selfish. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Which I respect that, yeah. I, I mean, I hate to say that. I don't think... Um, I don't think I mean selfishness. I think it's more so, um, well, I guess there's no other way to put it. No, I, but I, but I I do, I want to, I want to do something to express myself. Right. Well, I think we should actually dissect that point because people's immediate reaction is that one you just gave, which is like, oh, but selfish. Yeah. But like that, I think we got to reframe that narrative of like, that's actually why I think people, their lives are falling apart or why they're struggling because they've never actually prior, prioritized themselves. And that's, that's like an issue. And we kind of grew up in like this age of sacrifice and like service, especially from our parents of like serve others. Yeah. But like if your own cup isn't full, then you can't fill the cup of others. So I think oh, it yeah, being that's right. selfish, we talked, and we kind of mentioned that last we time. We talked about this last time. Like I actually do think you have to prioritize that. Like you have to be selfish to be selfless, right? Because that, that selfishness is what fills you up and makes you excited about life. So then you can ripple that outwards, right? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think that it's, well, I mean, we dove right into this last time, but I think it's an, it's an, an important factor and we can go further into it after we talk about the purpose of wanting to do this podcast, of course, but you and I have both been through some pretty, uh, Rough pretty situations. <laughs> Some real easy. Our culture. life has been just, <laughs> just coasting through. <laughs> no, but I mean, we've both been through a pretty rough divorce, and um, not with each other, but uh, <laughs> it would have been easier. No, I mean, it's we both had rough situations, and I think that we both um, felt like we put a hundred percent in. I mean, obviously, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I look back at you know, at my previous marriage and sure there's a lot of things that I would have done differently or could have done differently to be a better husband. Sure. Yeah, like right. I mean, there's, we've never arrived, right. Regardless yeah. of what situation or, or role you're fulfilling. I don't think we ever, you know, arrive, but, um, essentially I, I did lose myself though. I lost myself yeah. in that marriage and a lot of my independence and, and who I am as a person 
was kind of stripped away a lot by myself, a lot by my ex, um, a lot by my, my family, right? Um, but ultimately, I think that I've kind of come to this realization that life is, life is short, it's fragile, and, you know, there's only a certain set of minutes that each mm-hmm. life gets, and I've not really been able to do stuff for me. Yeah. Right. I've, I've, I've been constantly doing things for others. I've been, I mean, I went to school, right. I went and did that. I tried to graduate, tried to change my major like five times and still haven't graduated. But, um, a lot of that was because I was trying to pursue different things for others, right. There's a lot of pressure, uh, a lot of different things as a young, as a young man in Utah County that's expected of you that kind of just goes without saying as like your duty, right. So this, doing this podcast is a, is a way for me to really ex- express who I truly am as a person. And in that process, if you and I grow a little bit, which I think we definitely, we certainly will, um, I also feel like there's maybe opportunity that others can grow and maybe take some insight from some of the experiences that we've had. And I think that in that process, we also might be able to help out our own family too, our own yeah. family and friends and community and and that's the, I think that's the, the ultimate goal, right? Um, and so w- when, I, when I look at it, I think I break it down into three things. And I, I learned this a long time ago from, uh, from this guy. I don't even remember his name, but he was a, he was a pretty, good, uh, pretty good guy. Um, and he, he taught us just about how there's three different types of dependencies. You have, you know, you're born into the world, you're dependent, right? You have your parents that you look up to, they're your heroes, you learn everything from them, and then... When you're 18, that's when you're supposed to kind of spread your wings and become independent. Mm-hmm. And then just kind of going back to what you were saying, it's not necessarily a full selfishness, but it is, excuse me, in a sense to find that independence and get to a point where you've found yourself, you've established yourself, you've set a good foundation so that you then can become interdependent, right? Which is essentially helping and serving others. So yeah, this is this is my my time to essentially be independent, have my voice be heard, express myself, throw it out into the ether, get stomped on. <laughs> I'm sure that I'll say a lot of things that offend people. I'll say a lot of things people like if anybody watches this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that's how, at the end of the day, like authenticity is currency, and I think that's the the that's kind of the epoch we're like stepping into right now is that things are becoming more and more authentic and you realize that life is supposed to be customized to you and that there is no one size fits all. And and you see people, what's interesting is that the more authentic people become and, and speak their voice, the more of a following they gain actually. And so it's this very paradoxical process that like in raising your voice and becoming more expressive of who you are and being, you know, selfish if we want to term it like that, you actually attract more of your tribe in that process um, and end up becoming more of a beacon of light. And I think that like traversing through this world that's full of adversity and darkness sometimes, um, we forget that like we are the light. Like it's not about finding the light, like we are the light. So wherever we move, that's like where the light goes. And I think the more we do things that fill us with life and make us feel alive, make us feel excited, make us feel joyous, the more that light illuminates. Hence the importance for the selfishness. 
It's funny because right. most of the time when we're, we term like we're being selfish, it's just the things that light us up. And we've been so programmed to sacrifice for others that we've kind of dimmed that light. And I think it's the time now to let that shine, which rolls into the podcast. I think so too. And I, I think that you and I both have gone through some experiences. You're 28? 29. 29. I'm 32. I mean, not that age really matters. Only two years young. <laughs> but no, I think that there's obviously wisdom that comes with, with age and we're still very young, but I do feel like we've gone through some, a lot of stuff and, um, now's the time. Well, and it's interesting. I was listening to a podcast, ironically, on the way here, and she is a psychedelic therapist, actually. So she used to be a psycho um, psychoactive therapist um, and would work just cognitively with the mind. But she started to realize that people's traumas were stored in the body. And all the therapy she kept doing would keep people in their head. It was still just thought patterns. And she was like, this isn't like, it's not enough. Like I have to get people in their bodies and get them to start to heal their bodies. And that's how she got into psychedelic medicine. But she said one of the most important factors of healing she's noticed with all her clients is them telling and retelling their story. She just gets them to talk and talk and talk, even on the these same, psychedelics. Like the, same, the same trauma? They just repeat the it over and over? same trauma and repeat it over and over because the more they repeat it, each time they kind of adjust different details or frameworks. And or remember time, things. Or remember things. And Maybe so over time, certain traumatic of events start to lose their charge. And they're not as potent as it was the first time. And right. then the more they tell it, the more... It, actually physically expresses that energy out of them so it's ironic because a podcast is actually a platform to tell those stories which are not only healing for us but can then act as a roadmap for others who are going through that same thing right it's a very healing process i think podcasts if they're done intentionally yeah i think so too um i think that's such a good point too in terms of telling the story over and over again yeah dude because big time i mean well, first off, let's let's dive into the divorce a little bit because I think that'll play into this. I, when I went through my divorce, well, I, we won't go into details, but I, I will say this: when I was going through the hardest parts, you were there for me. And before that, I mean, we got to back up even further. When my my sister passed away when I was eighteen, that was oh my hell, long time ago. Yeah. But um. I didn't know what to do at 18 to, to heal from that. And I didn't have anyone either, right? Because my mom was in the Not car accident. Not even to heal from it, just to even process it. Yeah. Like, that so was, surreal. That was so much weight thrown at you at, at such an instantaneous moment of like, yeah. I, like how you were so far from even knowing how to process it, let alone heal it over time. It's true. I mean, you're, you're a senior in high school. You know, it's supposed to be the year that's all about you. Talk about independency, right? And and selfishness, Um, which actually, I think this will come full circle. So that happened, right? Um, Didn't know how to treat myself with that wound, right? No clue how to to do some triage for that. So I think that I was just bleeding for years and years, even well into my marriage. It wasn't until after my marriage that I was able to really kind of seal that wound up and mm-hmm. cinch it tight. Cause last time when we, yeah, last, last time our podcast that failed that I was able to go through that entire story and you, you made the comment, I made the comment. You're uh, like, dude, I can't believe you're able to get through that. That, that was the first time I've heard Stefan 
tell that full story <laughs> in that much detail, even though so many details were still left out. It's the first time I've heard you tell it in that much detail all the way through without getting emotional. Right. Without like breaking like, down. And I remember back at when Steph and I worked at a company called Boostability together. For good, <laughs> Shout good out time. to Boost, baby! <laughs> um, when you were actually going through your divorce and certain triggers of page were coming up and you still couldn't talk about it. And this was yeah. post, post-divorce. Yeah, absolutely. So that means your healing, a lot of your healing has actually happened in the last year from Paige passing Dude. away however many years, what, 10 plus years ago yes. now? 2007? Well, and what I realized, and I, I learned this, I can't even remember where, I think I read it somewhere, um, but I think it's I think it's pretty, um, pretty spot on. We can look it up later. But basically what it was saying is that if, if you experience a trauma in your adolescence, Sometimes what happens, oh, earthquake. Sometimes what happens is uh, you, your, your cognitive like side of, of things, your, your mental and emotional um, wherewithal is basically stopped and stunted. And you're stuck there. You're stuck there in that kind of mind frame as an 18-year-old for years and years and years until you face it. Until you face the music, until you go through it the right way. Mm. And, and the healthy way, right, of what you were just talking about, yeah. expressing it, talking about it to others, telling people the story over and over again, dissecting it, and healing from it, right? Yeah. And I mean, in this particular case, one thing that was huge for me was um, my therapist at the time had recommended that I write her a letter, right? I think a lot of people have probably done that and, and heard of that before, but you write a letter to her, and then what was interesting is he had me have... He had me write another letter from Paige, that's Mello's sister's name that passed away, uh, a letter from her and her five-year-old self, she died when she was five, back to me as my 18-year-old self. Mm-hmm. So again, wait, going back, I, was, I wrote the letter as my 18-year-old self, or how I imagined that would be. And I think that that was a huge, huge part in the healing process. But anyway, I, I digress. The, the, the biggest thing that I wanted to kind of pull from that is that I think I was stuck. I think yeah. my my mindset, my emotional intelligence, everything was there. It was stunted. I don't. I mean, I wasn't completely like you know dead as a doorknob, but but I think there was a lot of issues that stemmed from my marriage, uh, my previous marriage, right? My just just a lot of different things that probably could have been avoided had I had the right um, guidance on how to, to to heal myself from that. Because yeah. during that whole tragedy, like. My mom, right? I had to take care of her because she was in the accident. She got hurt real bad. Um, so she was out of commission. She couldn't really be there for me. My brother had his wife. So he and her were able to kind of heal and grow together. And I think that that was a huge part of, you know, why they're still married today, honestly. Yeah. And then my dad was just gone. He just spiraled, yeah. right? Like, that's he another was story. not in a great place. And can you blame the guy, right? Yeah. I mean, if, if my daughter passed away, I'd be, I'd be a wreck too. But, yeah, I didn't have anybody. So definitely took a while to kind of heal from that. Um, but to bring it full circle, what were we talking about? Well, I I was just going to point, I was, no, it's good. I was going to point out that like, you know, when that happens and you don't have the proper tools and techniques to process trauma, your base level, like biological survival needs kick in, right? Right. And usually that consists of repressing the emotions and using certain patterns and habits that aren't the healthiest, but 
for the situation short term, they work. So you basically went into survival mode, repressing all these. And I think part of it was that they got lodged so deep and it was in such a dark vault locked deep, deep down of so much Absolutely. pain and trauma that it was going to take something um, of greater or equal value of trauma, even if it was from a yeah, different angle, right. to actually shatter that box back open so you could then look at it and, and heal it and see the darkness for what it is and, and the beautiful lessons that came from that. And so yeah. the irony is that like, you know, the universe wasn't going to let you go your whole life kind of in quote unquote survival mode. It was kind of like, no, like it is your birthright to heal and to be full and to be the best Stefan you can be. But to do that, we got to address some of these things first. And I think the divorce was this tragic, <laughs> beautiful way of yes. actually re repurging that trauma from Paige right. and facing all of that at the same time. 100%. And that's that's where I wanted to bring it full circle. So thanks for bringing us yeah. back because I was lost. <laughs> but no, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Because after I got my divorce, you know, there were, it was earth shattering. But what happened is the experience from Paige's death, the experience of just life in general. I mean, I'd, previously to that, I'd experienced betrayal from a good friend of mine in a, in a work setting, which was kind of my first real experience with betrayal, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so. Yeah. And if you've never been betrayed before, damn, hopefully it doesn't happen. Because a true betrayal is really earth-shattering. And I, and I think it, it damaged me so bad that I was stuck working at freaking, should I say it? Yeah, I should say it. Wayfair. Yeah. I was working at fucking Wayfair, dude. Yeah. And I was working on customer service. I was doing emails for like two and a half years, dude. Just like, I wouldn't say wasting away because there were some projects that I was I was doing on kind of like the back end to try and see some fruition from it. But yeah, that affected me pretty bad. But long story short, going through all those different tragedy, tragedies, when I got divorced, fortunately I had you there. And what was good about that is I was able to express myself to someone who could relate. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, I was able to realize how important that was going to be for the healing process. Yeah. And yeah. so not only did I tell my story to you, I then was very open about it. I mean, of all places, I was open about it at work. And the the thing is, is that at work, I was on the sales team. It's like a brotherhood. If, yeah. if, if you've ever been on a sales team, at least a good one, there's some sales teams where it's very cutthroat. But in this one, it was like a brotherhood. And I was able to express myself to a few really good friends on the sales team. Uh, my boss, um, you know, obviously would tell my story to my, my mom, right, who, who doesn't speak their mom about some of that stuff yeah. right you kind of go to your mom for the shelter sometimes i think but anyway i express myself a ton and and the results of that over the last two and a half almost three years um i think it i think it shined through mm -hmm. you know like i was able to express enough and like you said with this this lady in this podcast you're just listening to i think that's real yeah i think being able to tell that story over and over again helps you Obviously, get it off your chest, but more importantly, like how you said that they would change the yeah. story sometimes because they'd, they'd learn, re, like re remember new re -remember. details or yeah. whatever the case may be. But I think it helps you dissect it so finely that you're able to really pull the curtain back, so to speak. Yeah. 
there's it reminds me of there's actually a ritual that's done in Australia back to our roots the mm-hmm. Aborigines they have this um, ritual called Dadiri is what it's called and in, in Aborigine it translates to stream and they believe that there's this stream of consciousness that runs through every human but sometimes it gets damned and blocked oh, and so through trauma what happens if, if one of the tribe members goes through a lot of trauma whatever it is I'm sure their trauma is a little bit different than ours <laughs> they can't get their fire started so they starve so they actually they actually get the whole village in a circle and this is a this is a real ritual that's been studied before they get everyone in a circle and the person who's going through the trauma they put them in the middle of the circle Yeah. and they actually have that person um, basically tell their story in detail of the trauma what they went through and then everyone on the outside of the circle they listen and they hold space and then they reflect their love back to the person and then like you may have gone through this and I see that you're thinking it like this but like we love you and you have so much like and they basically they just reflect back love and then they go back to the person in the middle and they have them tell their story again And and they literally sit here in this circle just telling their story until eventually the person in the middle adopts the same narrative that the people on the outside have of their story. So they go from this victim level of like this trauma just happened to, holy cow, I'm powerful, I'm unlimited, I'm loved, I can't be broken. And the outside of the circle literally helps them mentally reframe that story until they feel the love. And then they come back together as a tribe and the person um, heals miraculously and drastically compared to our culture. Wow. So I think there is a key to connection with other human beings. And that a lot of times we get trapped in the stories of our own mind. And if you look at tragedy and trauma and depression, it's closely linked with isolation, yeah. right? So I think if you can, when going through these moments, find a safe space, connect to unbiased people who see the, the real you, the higher you, and like reflect that love back to you over time of you sharing that story, I think exponentially heals faster. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. And podcasts, it's now virtually communicating that at a faster rate. Yeah. So like what I hope to see in the future and what this podcast can do is like taking healing that took, for example, for you with Paige, 10 years, 15 years, helping people do the same level of healing trauma within less than a year. Right. right. Like, why can't we speed up that process? You, you don't yeah. have to. It reminds me of this quote from Jordan, Jordan Peterson that says, suffering is only necessary until it's no longer necessary. <laughs> right. So it's right. like this. We could suffer for 15 years if you want, but you could also learn that lesson in a year. I guarantee it. Why not? Yeah. You know? No, I, I think that that's, that's, I think that's a very wise thing is that it's, we as humans, right? We put that label there. Dude, totally. You know, there's no, there's no, I mean, there's a lot of manuals, right? There's a lot of, I mean, we took like 30 minutes to figure out how to set this up. (laughs) So there's manuals for everything, right? But for, for human beings and interactions and tragedies and suffering and, and love and hope, like all these different things, like, yeah, people can write some books and some things, some patterns, some obvious, like, averages and stuff like that. But the reality is, is that humans are conscious beings that are going to make yeah. crazy-ass choices. Mm. And, yeah, I think that that's, I think that's key. You know, I, I it's interesting, like, just you, like, you, you, you said, going back to kind of the, the, the Aborigines in, in Australia, how 
they kind of are a community, right? They're there to hear the person, of course, but then they give back the love and support that they need. Yeah. I think that an issue that I've seen, and maybe I could be wrong about this, maybe this isn't that big of an issue, but I do feel like there is, I feel like there's a lot of mental health issues in the U.S. right now. I feel like, I mean, all over the world, but particularly in the U.S., there's obviously a lot of shit going on right now. Yeah, <laughs> like, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on, and I think it's because a lot of individuals have not been able to have that sense of community because they're around a lot of oh, fake people, mm. a lot of people that aren't going to be real with them uh, yeah. for various for various reasons, right? But and I think subconsciously too, I think that there's a lot of individuals that mean well, that are very truthful to themselves and to that person, but they're not they're not giving the love that's needed, right? Yeah. That person expresses their truth or whatever and is able to kind of vent and get it out, but that's as far as it goes. Yeah. And right? And the, I think that, that the key to what you were talking about with the Aborigines in, in Australia is that not only did they listen, but they also express back to them, hey, I know you see it like this. I know it's hard right now, but yeah. hey, like... We're here for you. But then they're actually there for that person. Right. Yeah. It's not just like, hey, we're here for you. Okay, peace. Life's going to go on. I'll see you in like five months. Yeah. Hopefully you're not dead. Yeah, no, it's a good point of having, you have to have a safe space, but a very unbiased, neutral safe space. Because part of the healing might be that you need to get called out on your shit. Yeah, some like, unconditional love. Yeah, maybe you're playing the victim and like that's not going to benefit you in the healing process. And so you need it. Yes. I actually remember, I don't know if you remember this, dude. This uh, We were outside Alexis's old place in Murray outside late one night. This was after your divorce. And we were outside the car talking. Yes, I remember. And divorce came up and I said, you know, it just, it is. It's not good. It's not bad. It just, it is. I 100% right? remember and that. And there's something very powerful about that neutral place of non-judgment. Of right. like, you actually get to attach the story to this you want. It yeah. could be the worst thing in your life and you could play victim and be like, oh, she's a bitch. And like, go down that rabbit yes. hole. And I could totally just validate that. Be like, yeah, dude, she's such yeah. a bitch. But yeah. like, we, we didn't. We consciously chose not to do that. And by me being a neutral space, but then also by you intentionally curating the story around that of like, no, I'm going to use this to help me grow. You then went a different path very quickly. I might add like very quickly you went on a, on a healing path. Yeah. I mean, it was, I will never forget, man. It was in January. Um, well, let's see. I mean, I tragedy struck in September. So it was September to October, November, December. Yeah. It's less, less than four months. I, I, I forgave, I forgave my ex. Yeah. 100%. Um, I mean, and that's not to say that I'm like some saint. Like, obviously, going through it, I was fucking furious. I was pissed. I was damaged. I was hurt. I was insecure. Everything. All the above. But, uh, and it's not to say that those things went away after right. I'd forgiven her in January either. But that 100%, my whole life, I've really tried to stand by attitude determines your altitude. 100%. I feel like so many people, they make the choice whether they want to be upset, sad, lonely, happy, miserable, mad. And I think it's a sequence of very small choices that compound. Yeah. I don't think it's a choice that's made overnight. But I, but I do think that those things happen because they're letting themselves decide that it's this a uh, certain way. And again, that goes back to what I was saying. I think human beings label things 
And the way you label it is going to determine your success, yeah. however you want to judge success by, right? And I think that going through the various tragedies at a young age fortunately helped me carve a path out to go with a good attitude and not a yeah. bad attitude. Not to say, I mean, shit, I'm 32 and like, yeah. it's not like I have, uh, you know, a lot going for me right now, but I can say that I, I am very healthy right now and I have a loving family and I've got a beautiful daughter and I've got some really good stuff, right? But but what I'm trying to get at, yeah, I think that attitude determines your altitude and that's it's so huge. And I think there's a lot of unfortunate souls that keep making these micro decisions and adjustments in life that ultimately lead to their own determined altitude. Yeah. Not to say that uh, yes, there's people that are in some really rough situations. <laughs> there's yeah. people that are in some tough situations that definitely need a leg up. That need a that need a helping hand. 100%. I'm not I'm not saying that everyone can just pull themselves up by their bootstraps, but in man, in a lot of cases they can. And it's well, and it's, it's the, a victimhood. The yeah. only cure right now is people doing their own work actually. It's like working on themselves. That's actually the only work there is to be done right now. Like there's that quote that's like if you if you don't heal from what hurt you, you'll bleed on those that didn't cut you, right? So it's that's this, so good. I love yeah, that. Yeah, it's this idea that like we're constantly trying. Are we to, recording this? <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> we're constantly we're right trying to like outsource and like like this person needs help. This person needs help. Like savior complex. When in reality, each person we come in contact with, because subconsciously we're not healed, we're actually causing damage still. Yeah, like right? Because we're, we're so right. not aware of who we are. And so it's Just stepping spreads. back from that and like being like, oh, like maybe I'm the problem and I'm the solution. So like maybe I should start doing my own work. And then in that process, I will be an inspiration to help others heal. Right. Because right. it's really only ourselves we can heal. Ooh. We can't heal others. And so I think we can get caught in that trap of the savior complex. But it's like, dude, it's a game of the self. It really is. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that that um, it's the law of attraction kind of a thing, right? Mm-hmm. You or birds of a feather flock together, kind of a thing. Yeah, right. Like totally. where it's totally. you, you truly, uh, you truly are a virus in the sense of you will. Yeah, you're going to bleed on others if you haven't fixed yourself. And if you are going to fix yourself, I'm like reiterating what you already said. But I, I love that. I, that's why I'm reiterating yeah. it, so I don't forget it. But yeah, basically if you are fixing yourself, others are going to be attracted to that. They're going to see that there's something different about you. Totally. Right. They're going to see totally. like, Oh man, like that individual is going to maybe in a life in a situation where they're just hating life, but then they see that there's something different about this person. And then again, I think that that, then that comes back to their choices, right? Yeah. That compound effect of, well, like let's go talk to him and figure it out or let me stay miserable. Well, and, and when you, <laughs> yeah. And when you heal yourself, you're also providing a, like a proven model to the world of like, it can be done. Look, yeah. my, my younger sister passed away. My parents went through a rough divorce. I then went through a divorce from betrayal. And here I am today healed. Yeah. Like you, you're putting out into the, this world, this like what will seem to some people impossible who are in like the darkest hour of their lives right now. They then hear that story and they're like, thank you. Someone's done it. So like I'm so far away from being healed, but now I know it's possible. And it's that little speck of hope for people, I think. And that's the power of story of like, hey, I did the work. Now let me try to package that and put out on the world to those who can see that it's possible. Like you could be in a really dark place right now 
but I promise you it's possible. Dude, I love that. And I, th- I think that's key. It's like, I think we need more stories of hope in the world. We need, <laughs> yeah, more, we need more stories of like, it doesn't matter where you are, like it can be done. It can be done for sure. Yeah. And we're also changing the way it can be done. Before it was just like, you're gonna have to suffer and no pain, no gain. And now it's like, I don't know about that. Like there will be some suffering for sure, but like we can now do it in a different way with community, with love, with different perspectives, with right. like, I, I think things are changing in that sense, which I believe is the purpose of us wanting to randomly do a podcast. Yes. I, I think, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I'm very, I'm very cautiously optimistic. I think that's the best way to put it. And yeah. I like, I, I think there is a shift. I think I'm hopeful that, that people are, are truly seeking, um, where the truth is, where the facts are, right? Because it is really easy to jump on a bandwagon. It is really easy to choose a side. It is really easy to become subject to tribalism. I mean, I've, I mean, I've, I for sure do. I still do. Um, but it, it's, I really think it's the, the the best way to go is to obviously question with boldness and to question everything. Yeah. You know, and, and I mean. I think that could lead us into religion, but uh, a lot of people that are a part of religion... The ultimate I, deterrent. The ultimate <laughs> deterrent. Awesome. <laughs> no, I, but I just, I think that, yeah, there's, that, that breaks into tribalism. That breaks well, into... Well, and religion things. does connect to it, to all of this, because I think at what we're getting at, the gold here, is that, like, I, we challenge people to look at themselves like I really believe everything is just a mirror for us. So it's like when mm. someone triggers you, it's not them that's the problem. They're actually bringing something up in you emotionally that's not healed right. yet, yes. right? So like they're actually just acting as a mirror and <laughs> yes, you being triggered isn't coming from them. It's inside of you that's being yeah. triggered. They're just the mirror that actually were the mechanism to trigger it. And so it's almost like we need to start looking more at ourselves. like. It's like that Bible verse, like before you look at the moat in the end. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like be single oh, to thine eye or something, or yeah. be careful of the moat in thine cast, eye. Like cast out the moat in your own eye before you like. No one knows what that means. That was made up. That was bullshit. But like, basically, the idea. Check yourself before you before wreck you wreck, it wreck yourself. <laughs> That's basically the idea: is that like we're judging others, we're casting these thoughts upon others, but it's us. It's like we are the ones that have to be altered and healed. And it's so easy to ignore that. That's part of the pain. That's part of all these things we use to numb ourselves, whether it's drugs, sex, alcohol, entertainment. It's literally just to try and not look inwards. And like, that's where the gold is. It's like inside. And Dude, that reminds me of, I have a story. So <laughs> it's gonna make me sound like such a bitch, but it has to be done. Because sometimes we're a little bit of a bitch, you know? But, uh, so, so Kara, she's, she is my love. She, um, she's my girlfriend. Just, everybody can be on the same page here. Mm. But we were, we were chatting and she was, she was telling me how she wants to, she's got, she has a friend that she used to work with at Vivint. Mm -hmm. And this guy, he goes out to, I think it's California. He goes to California and he, he, uh, he'll knock doors every once in a while. Mm-hmm. So like he works at Vivint, right? But on the side, excuse me, on the side he'll he'll go and hustle a little bit. So some weekends he'll he'll run out to California, 
spend a Saturday and Sunday, go knock some doors, get a few sales, make a, you know, a few couple grand on mm -hmm. the side. Right. Um, and so Kara was like, you know, I crush it at sales, which she does. She's phenomenal. Plus she's, she's a woman. I think she, in, in sales, if you're really good at, at it and you're a girl, you crush. Like, yeah. there's got to be some mad statistics out there because I like. Well, there's a different level of trust. There's a different level yeah. of trust. Uh, well, and I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure it goes both ways. I mean, you're going to have different people that trust men more than women, and vice versa, whatever. But I do feel like it is a lot softer, right? Mm -hmm. People soften up a little bit more. And anyway, so she, so she, she comes to me and she's like, Steph, she's like, you know, I, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm, I'm gonna go do that. I'm gonna go and, and you know, on the weekends, go do some some sales and, and yeah. try and get some stuff just for some side cash for us. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, <laughs> this, is, this is my, maybe my toxic masculinity. This is kind of what I think some of those people are talking about. <laughs> because for me, I'm like, well, that's fucking bullshit. I'm the one that should be going out and doing that. I'm the man. Mm. I'm the guy that should be going and taking care of this family. Right? Mm. So I got that kind of bubbling up in my mind. I've also got it in my mind where I'm like, man, we're making really good money. Mm. She's got a fantastic job. She's a senior sales manager. She's going to be a director soon, guaranteed, right? She's crushing it. The, the company loves her. They pulled her aside a few weeks ago and said, hey, we want to invest in you. You're amazing, right? Mm -hmm. She's killing it, yeah. right? And then I, I've got a, a good position at work, too. Things are going decent for us. And so that was another factor in my mind. I'm like, well, why would you waste time away like precious mm. time that we can have together to go and do something like that right so I've which got is that in my mind which is too. why you're most people are trying to make money is to create more free time to spend with yeah for ones. freedom yeah 100 yeah. yeah but this is just all about me right now <laughs> so this is me in my head just being a total douchebag thinking of all these different things as to why this is absolutely complete and utter bullshit that she would want to go mm. and leave for a weekend with another guy who's married, mm -hmm. right? There, there's some. We all know how happen. that goes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's the thing, right? Right? I've, I've, I've been cheated on, right? And yeah, so it's, it's like it's no longer just hypothesis. It's like a, it's happened way too many times. <laughs> <laughs> See, but that's and that's the wrong way to think. If you want to have a good relationship, you can't be. You gotta have some trust, right? Yeah, and we can, we can dissect that more later. But do. but what I'm saying though is that. All that's going on in my head, right? I'm having this inner turmoil. And it's mm -hmm. all because I don't want her to go out there for all these various reasons that are obviously the best reasons. And so I instantly, dude, got so upset. I blow up. I'm like, oh my hell, if you, okay, fine. If you want to go do that, just, just fucking go do it. I don't even care anymore. Because we, we had talked about it previously, and I expressed I love the idea. I didn't tell her I didn't want her to. Because yeah. I wanted to express herself and go do you know what she wants to do. So she's obviously super confused <laughs> as to why I'm blowing up all of a sudden. And like we had this huge nothing fight all because I was so insecure. Yeah. I was so insecure with myself. And... All, you know, because I, I've, I've been cheated on in the past, right? I've had betrayals in the past, whatever. But I was projecting that wound. Yeah. And I was bleeding all over her. Yep. And, like, I storm off. I come here into the office to just hide. She goes in the closet and hides. And I'm sitting here and I'm playing a stupid video game. And I'm like, 
man, I'm an asshole. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, and I start to realize and dissect everything. And I'm like, man, like, I didn't even make sense with what I was telling her. Mm. You know, like, and just being a little baby too, like, fine, if you want to, go right ahead. Go and go to California. You're going to go with another man. Who knows what the fuck's going to happen? Like, just being a total yeah. dickhead when obviously she would never do that. Like, she, like, we have such a good connection. We've both been through shit together. We love each other. Blah, 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 blah. A long story short, yes. That is it, it, that is well, a fact. It happens to everybody. It still happens to me. I, you know. It, yeah, it's a beautiful story because I think we do that on a daily basis. <laughs> we, at first glance, it's like, well, it's clearly her fault. This is on her. And yeah. at, the, at the end of the story, it's like it has nothing to do with her. She me. was actually the perfect mirror to trigger all these insecurities in you. Yeah. And make you realize, like, Hey Steph, you're still healing. You're you're still growing, just like all of us. We're in fact that's the point of relationships, right? Is right. to act as that healing partner to support you in that process. Grow together. Um, and so I think it's a very like important like piece of the puzzle. It's a very important story, and I think it's again. I think people go through this on a daily basis. They really do it. But I want to bring this part up though. So all of this, it all comes back down to you. It's like, this is all stemming from you. At the same time, I think it's making sure you allow yourself grace in this process and not be critical mm -hmm. of yourself, not judge yourself that these came up. Because sometimes that can be a go-to. We feel, not only do you get in this argument, but then you have guilt That's and shame over the fact that you acted like that. When in reality, worse, yeah. yeah, when in reality it was like, hey, 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 these needed to come up. So don't feel guilt or shame and go back to that low vibration. Actually be grateful that this came up, but then give yourself grace and don't judge yourself. And I think part of this is like a grieving process too. You're still grieving certain old parts of yourself. And so when these come up, it's like, it's twofold. It's partly being aware that it's all you and all of your shit, but then at the same time, still having love for all of that. And being right. like, that's perfect that that came up. Like, I think that's key. I think that's really key. It really is. And I and to your point, like, she's so incredible that when I realized how much of an asshole I was, I obviously went went in there, found her. She was still in the closet, which made me feel even worse. <laughs> I was like, man, I'm such a fucking dickhead. <laughs> so I go in there to the closet and, you know, I'm like, hey, <sighs> sorry I was being such a little bitch. And she's like, no, no, like, you're good. I'm like, no, no, no. Let's call a spade a spade here. Yeah. I was very insecure. I'm a, I'm a very insecure man in, in various various ways, and I apologize. And she was so quick to forgive, you know? And, and like, one of the things that she said to me was, she's like, you know, Steph, like, I'm I'm Team Stefan. Mm. She's like, I'm Team Stefan. I'm on, I'm on your team. Like, I, I, like, anything that I have is not out of selfish desire, but only to help us grow and have freedom. Like you mentioned, you, you already knew what was going on. Mm. You already knew what was happening yeah. with it, right? And that's exactly what it was. She's just, she was looking for solutions to help our little family unit grow, you know? Yeah. And, and like, like you said, that was very important. And, and what was also really important is that she also gave that grace and gave that yeah. that love and and that understanding back and she totally. it may have been this situation i mean she's told me this before but it was one of those things where she's like hey like i understand you like mm -hmm. you've told me your story i've heard your story i know you've been through the shit or i know you're still partly healing from some of that 
she's like, and I, and, and I, and she's like, and I, I want you to have that room, and I have understanding. And I mean, granted, if you hadn't been through some of those things, I'd obviously be a little upset and concerned. She's like, but I know what you've been through, and she's like, and I, I support you, I love you, and and I want to give you your space. Well, that's such a key part to the story, right? Because like, if we run it back and we changed her reaction to it, and she was just like, dude, I can't believe that reaction, like you're so insecure, like, that was so rude of you to do that, this was my time to shine, I'm going out there, like, it immediately would have put this deeper wedge inside of you, you would have bent over for that occasion and be like, no, no, like, I'm in the wrong, you can go, but then it would have created this, my girlfriend thinks this of me. Yes. And then that digs more at the insecurity and perpetuates that Doesn't problem. Doesn't solve And like, oh, dude, so I have so much compassion for people that don't have that safe space. Yeah. And that would be unhealthy relationships, right? Dude, well, that That's was the my definition previous of an marriage, unhealthy relationship. Right? Yeah. And I don't... And, like... I hope this, this podcast hasn't sounded too much like shit on the exes. Because, in all reality, when it comes down to it... 100% my ex had some rough times in her childhood, right? Like, she, she was raised in a certain way where... I think a lot of the things that happened in our marriage was a direct reflection of what she went through, right? And she would have reacted in that situation exactly how you just said, right? Yeah. Like where yeah. it's like, yeah, what the hell? Like you're a piece of shit for doing that to me and reacting that way. Like how dare you speak to me the way that you spoke to me? And how how dare you not realize that I was doing this for the family, right? Yeah. Kara easily could have done that, you know? And then like you said, I 100% because I'm in a situation of remorse, I'm contrite in spirit. I'm coming to her emotional, like, I'm sorry, I fucked up. So then that's a question I have is that like, how much of this now compare this relationship now, your level of vulnerability to the last one? And how much of this is like, you have this space, safe space with Kara because you're actually matching that with your level of vulnerability. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. I mean, it's night and day difference. Like it's, I almost wonder if your ex would have reacted differently if she knew more of you and of your story and like, cause you were more vulnerable. Yeah. I'm saying, and so it's interesting Absolutely. to see that correlation of vulnerability, how like people can actually only meet us as deep as we've met ourselves. And so like, Oof. if there's that people can vulnerable. only say that again, yeah, people can only meet us as deep as we've met ourselves. Yes. Right. And wow. so I think vulnerability is what allows us to dig those deeper levels. Yeah. And so the more vulnerability, the deeper your, your space holder, your partner can go with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you can't, um, you can't work as a team if you're not like fully open and understanding of what the next move's going to be, right? Yeah. Like, I don't. I mean, I, I kind of butchered that, I, but yeah, that's a hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's such a good way to put it. Which is, in a sense, you could people say relationships are work, so you could say that's the work to be done. Yeah. To like when you think you're going to be shamed or you feel guilty or feel unworthy to still open up right. and be vulnerable and share that with your partner and like. And knowing that, I remember Tom Billy talking about this. He's been married for like 17 years, and his wife had like this awesome relationship. Dude, I love that guy. Oh, you introduced he's me so to him. amazing. I, I love his content. She, it, it, he's the one where his wife's English, right? She's mm -hmm. from, she's from the yeah, UK. Yeah, they own yeah. Impact Theory. They were the founders of Quest Nutrition. Very successful couple. But he talks about the power of a deep relationship is that your partner knows 
every insecurity about you to the point where it's a it's a weapon. They could use it against yes. you at any time. I remember that podcast. You showed me that podcast. Shatter your heart, like. <laughs> With the insecurities he knows about his wife, he could just crush her because he knows Absolutely. all of her weak points. And he's like, that's what makes our relationship so powerful because I choose not to wield that as a weapon. Yeah. And I think there's there's power in that, in that vulnerability Huge. and creating that space. 100%. Uh, I, yeah. I, and that's definitely something that I think that my ex used on me. I'm sure I used it on her too. <clears throat> I mean, obviously I was the victim, but... Uh, Clearly, she's trash. <laughs> no, I, I, I do. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's really accurate. I think that that's something that um, people unfortunately do as a defense mechanism, and it's just subconscious. Because, I mean, that's. I sort of did that in a way when we got in that fight that I just talked about. Yeah. You know, and it was it was reactionary and it was childish. Yeah. You know, and I recognized that, which is good. I was quick to recognize it. Fortunately. Well, and I, dude, I think one big thing um, pulling from your childhood as well is that going through adversity very young taught you that you can't escape it in life. Right. Oh, my gosh. I think that was a big nugget you took away. Maybe it was subconscious, but like, so now when you face adversity, you try your best to overcome it as quickly and efficiently as possible because you know that it, you can't escape it in life. You're always going to be hit with adversity. So it's like either I become stronger um, or I can try my whole life trying to avoid adversity, which is only going to make me more miserable. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. And I think like to boot. Yeah. Like the thing is, is you, you have to envision like we, we as creatures, especially as men, right? We want to beat on our chest and we want to have a good old manly time sometimes, right? That's why we go to the gym or we find something that we can have a competitive outlet with. Yeah. But something that people are missing is the internal battle. Yeah. And a lot of people don't want to fight that battle. Yeah. But I, I think that it's important to envision yourself having that mental battle is just, you know, as like freaking Hercules, you know? Like a, you, you have to, you have to approach it with boldness. You have to face those fears. Otherwise, yeah, it's going to, it's going to appear, yeah, it's going to, and it's going to appear in your daily life. Well, and it's the whole purpose. There's this guy, he terms it, he calls it a microdosing adversity and every day doing something that like is uncomfortable, but will make him stronger. And for me, my version of Dude, that, that reminds is me like, of Jocko. It's dude, Jocko, David Goggins, they all live a similar Joe Rogan. They all do a similar concept where it's like you think they're insane and they're they're definitely at the extremes for sure. Especially David Goggins. But they're putting themselves in in science it's called hormesis. It's like a little bit of bad is good for you, right? Right. So cold exposure. You would think you're like, that's unhealthy, you're gonna get sick, but no, like a little bit of that each day shocks the nervous system to strengthen the immune system. And every, so, every engine needs a little bit of grease. Yeah, dude. And so we, we actually saw that as a collective when COVID hit. We've been so soft as a collective, so convenient. We have two-day shipping. We can order food to our house. Jobs are ver- like we are in such a soft, easy generation that when adversity is a collective hit, COVID broke people. Broke people because they had never been actually through adversity to that level. Their, so their worst was a scratch in their Ferrari. Literally, literally, or, and so <laughs> we're actually seeing this on a collective level of all of us healing this trauma and going through it, and it's all forcing us to look at ourselves and do the own work. I mean, life is 
I feel like life's a single player game. It really is. And you, you meet people along the way, but it's all kind of customized for you to do your own work so that yeah. you can gain the tools and techniques you then, you need to then serve others. But it all begins with the self. No, it does. And that, I think that's kind of the, uh, the subject of this podcast is that independence. Yeah. You truly do have to walk, walk that lonely road in order to truly uh, become a lonely road. Yeah. But but you have to walk it to truly become who you're supposed to be. Yeah. Maybe not even who you're supposed to be, but just the better version of who you're, who you are, Yeah, you know, and, and really figuring out, um, how you can be a common mensch to society. Right. Cause that's really what it boils down to. Like none of this shit would be here if we didn't have good people out there trying to make things better for others. I mean, sure. A lot of them are probably selfish trying to make that quick buck, but I mean, it is a community. And if we continue to isolate ourselves, it's, and and not express ourselves in some format. Yeah. It's going to be tragic, but I'm, but I'm cautiously optimistic. I think these, these kinds of things are are kind of what, uh, what help us get through that. I'm very optimistic. And I think we'll probably get, into religion in another episode because that will be like a deep one but yeah. like that I think that's the irony of calling this if that is the name of it Sunday service because I feel like there's been certain traps in religion too that have got me to not really heal and gotten me stuck and yeah. it wasn't until I stepped outside of religion that I started to realize oh it's myself that's the project and yeah. that I need to work on Um, and so we find ourselves through whether it's relationships, religion, work, trapped in these loops where we're trying to outsource our healing, Mm. but it all comes back to the self. And if you think about everything we talk about, the divorces, religion, all our experiences, they're all kind of actually forcing us to look back at ourselves and be like, it was never about this thing. It was about you doing your work. I feel like that's really deep. I feel like you can go really deep with that because I think that you do like... As an individual, you're naturally going to want to protect yourself. If somebody mm-hmm. throws a ball at your face and you turn around and see it, you're going to flinch. Yeah. Right? Because totally. you're naturally wanting to protect yourself. Yeah. And if you have something internal that's horrible, you don't want to face the music. Dude, so Nobody true. does because yeah. it hurts. And yeah. you know it's going to hurt. You have experience with it. Don't touch the stove. It's hot. Yeah. Right? Like, same concept, I feel like, is that you, you naturally are like... Oh man, I really don't want to face my parents' divorce and the effect it's had on my perspective and perception of family. Mm-hmm. Right? It's very easy if you're if your parents go through a divorce. It doesn't matter what age you are. I I don't think it matters. I think any age, if your parents go through a divorce, it shatters your concept of what a true family should be mm. because in your mind you have this concept that your parents are just loving each other and you've got this perfect little family regardless of how dysfunctional it may be they still have each other right and if they get divorced that gets shattered yeah you know and, and like i experienced that in junior high my parents got divorced and i didn't want to face that that yeah. sucked and you know what i thought families were fake I did. I hated the fam. I had I hated the concept of families. I didn't want to go over to my girlfriend at the time. I didn't want to go over to her house because I could see her family was still intact. And I was like, oh, it's just a matter of time. <laughs> and then like, 
you know, you, you do, you become really negative and you're like, yeah, I don't think there's any anybody that loves each other past maybe a, a shelf life of 10 to 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> right? You start to go through all these different... Well, and what's unfortunate <laughs> is that kept getting supported by yeah. other evidence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I see, I would see my dad screwing around and doing stupid shit, right? I would see my mom reacting to that, you know? And like, yeah, your, your concept of this beautiful family unit that you used to have and these beautiful, fun memories all of a sudden become a very dark past. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to look at those memories. Right. I Like, having experienced that in junior high, I now have a defense mechanism that's very subconscious. If I go through any trauma, any memories around that trauma for a period of time are almost suppressed. And it's really yeah. hard to recall those memories because that's when those tragedies happened, yeah. right? And it's, and it's like very, very uh, prevalent in my life. But only now, right, like after the last couple of years from my divorce and really facing the music, have I begun to recall a lot of different memories, actually. And it's been kind of fun. I even get to talk about it with Kara, but the point is, is... I think that that's that's where it, where it boils down to is that you your natural reaction is to um, defend yourself yeah. from the damage. Well, and it shows the music. Yeah, and it shows you the work that needs to be done because trauma shapes the lens through which you then see the world. Right. Right. It literally creates a filter that you put over your eyes and your belief system. And you now see everything through that lens. And every yes. family you see is going to be eventually a broken family, right? And so the work of trauma is that when we talk about healing, it's actually like creating a new lens through which you can see that world. And I think there's several different modems of how to do that. But that that is a work in and of itself of you're recreating belief systems. You're rebuilding yourself. You're recreating your thought patterns, your stories. You're like, yeah. it's a process of recreating that lens through which you see the world for sure. So true. That is a process. And I think that like just repetition to that process and hearing stories like this and positivity and listening to a podcast like this for people like this one, it, like, yeah, <laughs> I'm, no plug here, but like by listening to this podcast and downloading it on Apple and Spotify when it comes out, um, I think it's very <laughs> beneficial because you're like, oh, okay, that's this is the work. It's it can be done. It's possible. Yeah. It's there's processes for it. There's people that support. There's yeah, dude, and it will be those ones that have gone through the trauma that have come back that are just like they can hold space compassionately for people. Because now, dude, I'm such a different person, and so are you. When someone's going through shit, dude, it's just like immediate reaction now is compassion. Yeah. It's just like, bro, even if I didn't like you, like, that sucks. Like, I'm really sorry. <laughs> like, that's rough. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so rough. true. Like, that's, you just become really compassionate towards the process. It's true. I think I always dealt with, I mean, obviously, subconsciously, you suppress those things because you don't want to face the music, right? But also, humor helps out a lot. Oh, and for me... Big time. It's kind of funny because sometimes... Um, I think people look at, people will look at me like what the fuck because I'll just laugh at stuff because I'm seeing I'm like playing out this very comic relief type of you know um, story in my head to, to to kind of laugh at it and be like hey like tomorrow's a new day yeah like pick yourself up like that sucks 
but also I 100% have compassion. I take my, I take the shirt off my back for them and help them out. Like you said, there's a lot of love there, but also to dampen the the tragedy and and try and cope with it. I think that humor is is a necessity. And if you can't make fun of yourself and you can't make fun of the situation, yeah, not necessarily the person that's going through it, but the situation, and just be like, holy shit, yeah, like that was pretty fucked up yeah like i'm sorry you went through that but it is kind of funny like how that all played out right like yeah. well you know I, mean? I, I think you the universe almost pushes you to that point of like yeah. it's it will get to a point for most people in life where it's so bad it's comical right like you, you actually can't do anything else but laugh about it and it's almost like laughter is the only way to express those emotions Absolutely. it's like this is literally what whatever could have gone wrong has gone wrong so all i can do is literally laugh about it because it's clearly out of Dude, control i think of like most com like uh, comedians and just comedies in general why are we laughing so hard mm. it's because they're getting hurt yeah <laughs> they're getting hurt like like meet the parents right have you ever seen meet the parents i've never seen it Oh my gosh, dude, go home and watch that. I haven't watched it in like years and I was thinking about it the other day and it's just so hilarious because it's about this guy who, you know, meets the girl of his dreams. I think he's in like New York or Chicago. He's in like a big city, right? And falls in love with this girl. I mean, you don't, you don't see like that history, like a little montage at the beginning kind of showing their relationship and you obviously know that they're in love. He proposes to her. Well, he's a, or he's about, I haven't seen it in ages, mm. but I, I, I recall, I'm pretty sure he's about to propose to her, right? And he holds it off because he finds out as he's about to propose to this woman of his dreams that her father's very traditional, mm. right? So he needs to go and ask the father for the hand of marriage. So what do they do? They pack their shit and they, they go to the parents, right? And that's why it's meet the parents. And it is just riddled with tragedies for this poor, this poor guy. <laughs> it's played by Ben Stiller. Yeah. And Ben Stiller, like anything that can go wrong goes completely wrong completely and utterly hopelessly wrong for him and it's hilarious because there's no other way that you could look at that and not laugh because he truly is just getting wrecked by like 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 there's one there's one scene where like the uh i don't want to ruin the movie but this is this is a small part but the but the father is like loves used to love his mom she's in like an urn or whatever and he goes to like the Ben Stiller goes to like pop the cork of the champagne bottle and it hits the freaking urn and it falls and shatters on the floor. Yeah. yeah, and mom's grandma's ashes just fly everywhere. Oh, and the cat crazy. goes over and pees in it. Oh. <laughs> it's so good, dude. But yeah, I yeah, tragedy, although it's very hard, if you can again, attitude determines the altitude. Yeah. If you can laugh at it. And of course, dissect it and face the music. Well, I I, and I was going to add in there, That's like, the you know, thing. make sure you have reverence for your tragedy, too, at the same time yes, of, like, of course. humor, just like all things can also become a vice, right? So it's right, like, to avoid if it. you're using it as a defense yeah. mechanism to avoid things, you're just, oh, whatever, it's no big deal. It's like, well, like, treat it for how it is. Sometimes you do need to really look at it with Absolutely. some reverence and seriousness and, yeah, and heal it. And then other times it's, you know, humor is the answer. And it's interesting. I went to a meditation workshop. This was probably three months ago. One of the guys there, he was a wilderness firefighter, like the type that would like jump Ooh. out of planes, dude. And like go to so, massive fires. So an actual badass. An actual <laughs> badass, dude. You just like 
a man's man. His hands yeah. were just huge, like just tough. His oh, nails, dude. dude. You know when you shake and, someone's um, hand, you feel that, and you're like, oh yeah, man, dude. I need to go. I need to go use a pick out back real dude, quick. Just, <laughs> just like guy. tough guy. And one of the things that he brought up that was interesting was he's watched his best friends die and burn before his eyes. And he, on one of their missions, they lost several guys on a mission who got trapped in the fire and burned to death. And they watched them melt. And he said, one of the things that we actually use to heal as a group is dark humor. Yeah. And at, at first when he said it to me, I was a little stunned. Like you're making jokes at the expense of your buddies that just died in front of you. In a horrible but he was way. like, the, the trauma is so bad and we have to get back into the field to continue the work yeah. that we actually have to use that dark humor as a mechanism to express those emotions out. We can't repress yeah. it. We got to get it out. And so that was their way of actually healing very unorthodox way. And like, it was something I was new to. Um, and like I immediately judged actually, but then after I understood it, I was like, wow, that's like, holy, that's respect right there. Well, again, I think that's just, it's hard to understand something like that if, if you haven't been through enough trauma. Cause like you said, I think if it's, if it's enough of a traumatizing experience, the only place you can go is to, to somewhere where there's a little bit of comedy. Yeah. And it's funny, I, I never even thought of that for firefighters, but my, my dad, right, he was an anesthesiologist, he'd tell me about that too. Like they'd have, they had to have dark humor because people are dying on the operating table all the time. And that's their, their fault, Yeah. right? Because they're there to, to save you and put you back together. And if they can't, yeah. nobody else is going to do it. So it's yeah. on them, right? And so they have to have dark humor. Same thing with paramedics and, and ER uh ER technicians is that the right word? Yeah, I think it's a way I've heard humor related to like a like a release valve of steam, like everything's oh, bottled up yeah. in the pipe, and then you pull the That's release valve, it. and it all releases. And I've I've heard humor related as this immediate release of pent up like emotions that haven't been expressed, Dude. and so especially for people who are in the line of work of saving lives, like doctors and firefighters, who like every decision counts. They can't be in survival mode. They can't. Yeah, you can't be tense. You gotta emotions. be relaxed. Yeah. So yeah. they're in the, the the work of like immediately actually working through this trauma and expressing it out of them so it doesn't stay. So they can fulfill successfully their next mission. Right. Take so a deep breath and get into action. Yeah. So it's. I mean, we see it all around in every avenue, every industry. It's this is a game of like healing, which is so funny that we even got into this topic. But it's such a. It's, it's all part of the subject. Topic, yeah. It's all part of the subject of individuality and, and selfishness and the independence mode so that you can move on to that interdependence. Yeah. So I think it all plays into it. And I think a big part of it is, at least from my lens, is normalizing this stuff. Yes. Like we need to normalize this stuff. Which we need it we need to have I mean we'll obviously have a, a podcast on religion because that's that I think is one of the one of the most interesting things, right? Because religion can truly set you free. I've yeah, seen it. Agreed. And it can also Imprisoned put the chains you. back yeah. on. Mm -hmm. So I think there's definitely a fine line. And there's a balance in everything, right? But um, going back, I don't want to trail off too too far because we'll, we'll get into that another time. But going back to... Um, oh, fuck. I just forgot. Obviously, it wasn't important. Wasn't important. Well, that's probably that's probably a good. There you go. That's a wrap. Time. Maybe that's, that's a, a wrap, solid huh? first episode. Hour and six minutes. Yeah, if you stayed the that. whole time, you have no life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Because we're obviously. Uh... 
No, I think that was a solid episode, and there's some solid little bits in there, and I think the the motto, the theme of that one, which will I think become the theme for the rest of the podcast, is really like working on yourself, like show up for yourself. That yeah. doesn't mean you don't serve others. It doesn't mean you're not there for others. It means actually quite the opposite. Like the more that's you the can point serve of this up, whole thing. Yeah. Right. The more you can show up for yourself, the more you'll be able to show up for others. Yes. For sure. Well, I think that's that. Literally, I think is the um, the moral of the story. Right. The moral of the podcast is basically that you. If you're able to truly reflect within, you're able to truly, you know, help yourself. Yeah. That's the only time you're going to be able to elevate others, whether it's on purpose or or just by example. Yeah. Right. I think that's that's kind of what we're concluding here. Yeah. Because we're so wise. Socrates and Aristotle. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's it. Thanks for joining Town and Stefan Sunday service. Yeah. We'll see you next time. (laughs) Peace.